welcome to Chats, a television podcast, season 12, Peaks Chats. My name is Magellan, and they like to lick. It's Alan. Uh, yum, yum, yum. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite ice cream is probably peanut butter. <laughs> it's going to make a bit, but I decided to be. Yeah, you just peanut, peanut butter, butter, right? It's cold <laughs> peanut butter taken out of the fridge. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I like that too, actually. You do? Pretty good stuff. I don't know. It just sounds good. I like I like uh, warm peanut butter and room temperature and cool peanut butter. So what could go wrong with cold? Well, really warm peanut butter gets kind of liquidy, which is not exciting. Not cash money True. at all. True. But no, yeah, just a good mm-hmm. cold a peanut butter chunky ice cream. That's for me, baby. Fun fact, I was actually eating some ice cream while the theme song was playing just now. Really? That, yeah, that's the true fact. I forgot to Millie Rock during this one, so one of us has to do something during the theme song. <laughs> uh, wait, what ice cream was it? It's a, it's sort of a vanilla bean. Just a raw vanilla bean? Yeah, just a raw vanilla bean. It's from like a sushi place. It's like a light, you know, cleanse the palate vanilla bean. Oh, sure. Like you had a nice meal and now you want to reset your mouth. Yeah. A mouth resetter or a palate cleanser in normal words. <laughs> Oh, that's pretty. It's a pretty good term. I should start using that. Thank you. <laughs> we are not alone, though. This episode, Alan, we are joined by a special guest. <gasps> the only problem with them is that they are perfect. It's Ryan from Scanline Media. Hi, Ryan. Ow! 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 <laughs> that means hello. <laughs> in bob wolf voice that means hello nice. <laughs> oh gee gee am i on the podcast oh i don't know i guess yes <laughs> uh, the, we never talked about it specifically how weirdly organic that line is and it just, it's, it's incredible oh oh yeah um <laughs> Ryan, I'm so excited that you're here. We um yeah. ha- we've talked about Twin Peaks for almost as long as I've known you in a way. Uh we've yeah. podcasted together uh for years. P- longtime fans of chats will know that Ryan and I with our friend Katie used to do a podcast called Fireside Friends, which was in part Ooh. inspired by us talking about shows like Twin Peaks and stuff like that. Um and I'm just really happy to have you on to talk about uh one of our favorite shows and a and a yeah. great episode of it. Um. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm really excited to be here um i have been listening since this since the peaks chat started um and i kept being like i shouldn't guest i shouldn't guest and i would listen to an episode and i was like no i want to be on here (laughs) so here i am (laughs) yeah we're excited to have you and we're here this episode discussing season two episode 10 dispute between brothers it was directed by Tina Rathborn, written by Trisha Brock. It aired December 8th, 1990. Alan, what happened in Dispute Between Brothers? <laughs> Alan, what happened? I know we say, I make that joke a lot, but it really means <laughs> it's it today. It's widely applicable. <laughs> in this episode, Leland is laid to rest, and Sarah Palmer tries to accept all that has happened to her family. Dr. Jacoby returns from Hawaii! Cooper prepares to leave Twin Peaks, and Mayor Milford objects to his brother's engagement to a younger woman. Also, Ryan, there's fill- some Bobby oh, stuff, Lucy stuff, uh, a bunch of subplots. Ryan, tell us. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, fill us in. What's your whole deal with Twin Peaks? What's your deal with this episode in particular? Let the folks know. <laughs> um, 
Well, Twin Peaks, um, I think a lot of people, at least in our circles, I started watching it uh, along with the Idle Thumbs podcast, Twin Peaks Rewatch. Um, that's where I think that was in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, I started like watching it in earnest and just been hooked on Twin Peaks and David Lynch stuff ever since. Um, this episode, I didn't really, I didn't really have a affinity for. I was more more curious, um, as this being the first episode, Sans Leland plot, how it was gonna shake out. Um, so like, th- I feel like this part of the season is stuff that I barely remember, and am am curious how it holds up, having seen the entire series. So. Yeah. That's mainly why I picked it. Nice. Well, what what's your initial thought? <laughs> Does it hold up well? It I liked it more than I did when I first watched it, but that is that is with the expectation that these episodes are going to be different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. Right. um and so like knowing where things go ahead of time, I feel like I'm primed to be like, all right, this is not going to be like David Lynch and Mark Frost's Twin Peaks. This is like going to be some Funhouse Mirror version of the show. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but I do get to spend more time with these characters and this like on these sets and in this in this time frame. There's something comforting about that. So um, I'm kind of coming at it through that angle. Alan, did you feel similarly to that? Yeah, I think this episode situates itself like so. Ryan, you you know we've been like I said good good friends for a while and you've often said or at least mentioned to me that you are a season two fan and you feel like this is where twin peaks sort of starts in your mind or, or like the thing that you think about of twin peaks is is in season two and i felt like this episode even more so felt like the end of a series and the start of another series exactly yeah for me i think that argument for me like i think i think of twin peaks as or at least I thought of in the past as season one being like the start of it. And that's where like the big, like phenomenon was at was that first season. Mm-hmm. And then two, we see a drop off in fandom as the show just crawls on. Um, but I feel like the show finds identity in those early season two episodes. Um, if you ask me previously, you know, where this Twin Peaks season two ends, it ends with, it ends with the the end of the Leland plot. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think on this watch, I am trying to view Twin Peaks as a whole rather than separate parts, or at least this original series. I, I'm trying to view it as one thing and not trying to not trying to canonize episodes just because they're made by different people. I'm just trying to view it as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um and so and so watching this, it's like you notice the change, but it is still trying to progress and introduce new plot threads in a way that's like a writer's room trying to come up with things hmm. to put in the show, which I, yeah. which I thought was like interesting to watch. Yeah, it's yeah, like a season it, 2A of sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it really feels like an episode that uh, is throwing a lot of different stuff at the wall to try to figure out exactly what the show even is anymore. Because yeah. you've got 
conversations about Wyndham Earl happening and you've got uh, O. Cooper's in trouble and also Jean Renault's hanging around and there's uh, who knows tons of other stuff like what's the core yeah. driving mystery cop show narrative and yeah I don't know watching this episode weirdly like I didn't like it <laughs> and <laughs> and it weirdly made me wish Twin Peaks was longer actually because it got me thinking about like okay we've kind of passed the point where Twin Peaks did its sort of like self-contained miniseries run almost of like this is a, a cohesive narrative that ends with Leland Palmer's death and it's done and now we've entered into this is a could have been like a TV staple that went for however many years, like a decade or something like that. Like the walking dead is still on TV, you know, something like that. I don't know, but <laughs> it's like, it's like if, if Dexter season three jumped ahead to season eight, <laughs> right? <laughs> and they were like right. out of ideas by then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Exactly. And you know, you see a lot of stuff happen in this episode where you're like, okay, I could see myself turning off the kind of like cinema part of my brain that wants that wants that from twin peaks and instead just have the tv part of my brain of like okay yeah season two wasn't so great but season three they did this really cool arc with this and then season five is my favorite season of twin peaks like there's another <laughs> universe where that's the show and i'm kind well, of seeing yeah. that happen in this in this episode well for me like watching these episodes again for me the like the end of like the the sort of like prestige twin peaks Mm-hmm. That that ended with with the Maddie episode, right? Like that that episode for me was like like watching that in isolation. That feels to me like the perfect emotional capstone to the series. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The show could have ended then, and I feel like I would in some way be emotionally satisfied with it. Like that feels like an ending to me. And then these the last the, the two episodes after feel like both like stretching a little bit because Mm -hmm. they don't have the next plot ready and also just feel campy enough to where this doesn't feel as jarring to me because we get Leland Palmer Joker mode in two episodes, (laughs) which just feels so out of line with the rest of the show. Right. And then last episode, we get all these fucking weird camera angles and, and just like, I don't know. The feel the show already has felt campy with the Leland ending that I'm just like, all right, I'm I'm already in it. Yeah, <laughs> the, even the, even the, in the investigation the, it's been weird. The quote unquote bad Twin Peaks has started even before Leland died to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great um thesis. And I think that you know, I I I'm coming into this as a as a podcaster trying to find things that I like and I want to discuss in these episodes. Like we've talked a lot about how People are going to know that season two gets dumb, and it does, but that doesn't mean that this episode is going to be five minutes of us being like, this sucks, anyways, bye. Like, we are going to have things to say about these dull <laughs> plot lines. Um, but last thing I'll say about the overall episode is another objective I've been trying to have in this rewatch of Twin Peaks is reframing, like you said, Ryan, the whole show in then thinking about the return, because not to get into it, obviously, but... 
Uh, it's weird in some of the ways that late season two is weird, even. Um, it's not just like, and we talk about how it's good and it's Lynch. It's like full Lynch and full Frost all the way. But like, it's still weird and has some like dumb parts, just like late season two does. And I think like understanding that all of Twin Peaks has had parts like that will make me appreciate the return a little bit more. Because watching it live, I was like, where's the cool stuff? Um, and then when the cool stuff happens, you're like, oh, there's the cool stuff. So, you know, all that is to say, I'm I'm finding myself liking, like, thinking about this episode and this this arc that we're getting into. Um, uh, can we talk about the writer and director real quick? Yes. Yeah, new people, I think. The director of this episode, I want you all to guess what other episode they directed of this show. That we've already seen? Yes. I actually oh. looked this up earlier, so I'm okay. gonna recuse myself. Magellan is disqualified, guessing. Alan. Yeah. Um, Dwayne Dunham, the way this one was directed, is it? I don't know. I have no clue. She directed the Laura Palmer funeral episode. Oh my god. What a shift. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. I love yeah. this show. <laughs> Um, oh, oh, Tina also, Rathburn, not Dwayne Dunham, excuse me. Like yeah, the next episode. Tina Rathburn, yeah. yeah. And then Trisha Brock, who is credited as the writer, um, please guess one show that she's worked on. It's. I'll give you a hint, it's a sitcom. Whoa. Um, she's worked on a lot of things, by the way, but this is the, I think this is one thing that she has a lot of credits on. I'm going to say Just Shoot Me. <laughs> <laughs> guess. Is this right. something modern, Ryan? I'll I'll just list the multiple things. Sure. Uh, she she directed a few episodes of Thirty Rock. Whoa. She, she directed okay. a few episodes of The Walking Dead. Like she is a very much a TV director. Uh -huh. but, like the fact that she worked on Thirty Rock is really funny to me. It's big time. <laughs> it's so weird that Twin Peaks has like people who went on. I guess like you when you're a writer in Hollywood, you can stay a writer in Hollywood. But it's just like uh people on this worked on malcolm in the middle and like 30 rock and blackish and it's like that's twin peaks dude those can't be in the same era in my head <laughs> i refuse to accept that oh man weird stuff but speaking of time jumps uh there is a time jump in the beginning of this episode i was kind of thrown for a loop when it said three days later because we've yeah. talked a little bit here and there about how every episode of twin peaks is generally the, it takes place over the course of a day. There are a couple where they like zoom in on an evening, uh, or zoom in on on like a chunk of time. But we got a we got a full time jump here, uh, and everybody has beards, and everybody's older, and they've had kids. And, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, three huh. days is just enough time for a funeral to have been prepped and already taken care of. Basically, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's an it's enough time I for us to sit in the grief. I want to well, I want to know what happened. D okay. So we open on this scene, which is like, I know there's a conversation between Leland and Sarah we'll get to, but there's, it's a big get together. Like everybody is like here, like, like being there for Sarah. Yeah. But I want to yeah. know how this went down. Cause it's like everybody in the town and, and did, did they like, did they explain that like how Leland died? Like, did they explain like, Hey, Leland killed and raped her, his daughter. Right. Like, yeah. Did, what did they did tell that, everyone? Like, what was, what was the conversation like? Because I feel like the, the response to the situation and the, the attempt that they're making to, 
I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Everyone is like what, weirdly calm. Yeah, I don't know. So calm and serene and like it's like yeah, it's like it's it, the, really it has strange. the tone. It has the tone. They're, they're like they're acting like Leland died of a heart attack or something. It's exactly. Like really strange. I think that they didn't tell. I don't think that they told them everything. Because I can't yeah. imagine them being like there was a dude in his body who left, and even like <laughs> when Cooper explains it to, to Sarah, and she's like, "He's still out there," and he's like, "No, he's gone forever." Like you don't know that, Cooper. Why are you even telling her that? I guess to comfort her, and so she's not worried. But like, there's clearly yeah. like they they can't be telling the people of Twin Peaks everything. There's no way. But Cooper's clearly told Sarah Palmer because he also says this. Your husband fell victim to one of these long ago when he was innocent and trusting. But Leland did not do these things, not the Leland that you knew. So he's told uh, her what the things are, and she's like, yeah, yep, yeah, I love my husband. He was awesome. Yep, probably was a demon. Some ma'am, kind. I'm sorry, your husband was the Joker. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Cooper's like, oh, go ahead. No, I said he put on the clown makeup and like did a howl. <laughs> and he was about to kill Donna. He was about to kill Donna. Yeah, he killed your daughter, your niece. He was, he, but it wasn't him. And Cooper's like weirdly saying, "And yeah, remember how he drugged you so you wouldn't be able to catch him?" Weird. Like, okay, Cooper, cool. And then he does this weird. <laughs> I don't know. It's this extreme close up on Sarah's face. And then this weirdly invasive moment where Cooper's like, I know it's hard to understand here. And he touches her forehead and then moves his hand down and says, and here, and you don't see it, but he's touching her like chest. And it's like, Cooper, you are handling this in the most condescending, like, I don't know, parental making parentalist way possible. It, it was, it really bothered me that, I don't know, because it gets at the heart of a problem I have with Twin Peaks, which is that Cooper is just like too good when like materially in the world, he's not as good as we perceive him to be. Yes. And this was a moment where I was really let down by Dale Cooper and the show was trying to paint it as some sort of magnanimous act. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I can't get back to me in a little bit. Get back to me. Get back to me in I don't know when we finishing season three. <laughs> yeah, okay. right, right, sure. Um, right, right, sure. But I will say that Sarah Palmer, like uh, Grace Brisky, plays this moment really, really well. Uh-huh. Um, her yeah. performance really landed with me. Me too. The, the ridiculousness of what was being said. I think, like in Majon, in Majon's, in your notes, you mentioned that it felt flat, but that is partly just because, like, the lines are just her being like, "I loved my husband," but like, Grace Risky brings it. It's not her yeah. fault that they're just like, "Uh, you're just supposed to feel bad <laughs> that your husband's mm. dead." <laughs> and I'm, I'm sad she didn't get more to do. She's just like, yeah. she's now in the show like this estranged, you know. Why, like wife mourning for her entire family and she doesn't get more fucking scenes yeah you yeah know, do we, we don't, out. do we see her again after this episode i don't remember her being in there a lot she definitely comes back up yeah. in this season um but i don't remember Not much. Her being in here a yeah. lot yeah um 
And there is, I mean, the music does some work here, too. We're going to talk a lot about the music, but uh, Laura's theme kicks in, obviously, when they talk about how much she misses her daughter. And then we, like, pan over... Like, you're talking about, like, how community can, comes hold together. On. Can we talk about the music in this fucking episode? <laughs> yeah, let's just talk <laughs> yeah. about it. The music yes. in this... I It, it drove me insane. I was d- distracted by the acting in this show. Mm-hmm. Because this this episode layers multiple Twin Peaks songs in at once <laughs> throughout this entire episode. It uh, drove me insane. Uh, 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 this whole scene, there's, like, this choral synth song playing. Yeah, yep, and yeah. then as it's transitioning between members of the community it would it would drop in the like the classic twin peaks to drum and hi-hat it would drop in like different themes depending on the character it's insane i hate it so much i don't understand why they did this why did they make the music like this it it just oh my god i I think it's like like how much so many of the plot lines in this episode it feels like they're throwing music at the wall they're like and then hank's theme and laura's theme and the hi-hat and some jazz and then it plays on top of each other. I'm yeah. Like, why are we doing this? I mean, again, similarly, like in my notes, why is there this new, like, old man rivalry plot introduced during Leland's fucking funeral? Where, and literally, <laughs> Truman has to be like, remember where you are. Remember what's happening around you. There's a dead man's funeral. He's a bad man, also. Why are you fighting about a, g- a girlfriend? What's wrong with you? Please be oh, adults. Man. You're both like 80. <laughs> that that whole plot was so frustrating. My favorite line out of it is Pete Martell is explaining the situation between these two guys. One of them's the mayor. One of them's like the newspaper editor. They're brothers. They're disputing title of the episode. Bingo. Um, and Pete Martell goes, Dougie's engaged to be married to a babe. <laughs> To a baby. <laughs> it's like, cool. Thanks, Pete. Yo, Pete <laughs> in this episode was so good, though. <laughs> um, always, always good. Never yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like, this this moment just completely solidifies, again, things about Dale Cooper that suck, that make him complicit in the kind of, like, boys club patriarchy of this town, yep. where they're standing around like yeah these two old guys one of them's engaged to a babe she's a teenager and he's a hundred and they're all like oh oh, 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 man that's so funny cooper's like i'm gonna miss this place yeah dude you're gonna miss this this? i hope hope you're ready for this plot specifically to get better yeah and my better i mean Stupid. Do they do more? <laughs> there's more with this yes, plot? There yes, there's way more yes. to this plot. Holy yeah. crap. <laughs> way more. Oh, way crap. more, dude. No, oh thank my god. You. No, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> this, like I said, hints, hints of dumb stuff. Um, I want to talk I more about the- I cannot wait for this spoiler segment in this yep. fucking oh episode. My god. <laughs> Me too. Um, I, I want to push the, the, the Cooper stuff to a little bit later, so let's just talk about a couple of like little subplots that get picked on in this episode. Um, Before we leave the 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 funeral, I just want to quickly play the reintroduction of Doctor Jacoby. He's oh yeah, Major. You appear to be fully recovered from your recent setback. Well, nothing beats the restorative powers of Hanalei Bay. I just like the way he said Bay. Hanalei Bay. I'm glad that clip demonstrated what the fuck I was talking about with the music. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like couldn't hear them speaking because the music was like. (laughs) 
this song changed my life. <laughs> and it's this fucking <laughs> smushing together of four oh, tracks. It's great. The sorry, um, the on the music, the the my the most annoyed I was with the music was when Truman is giving Cooper the Bookhouse Boys uh, Boy Scout patch or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. And uh which you know, something to think about that this like secret boys club is associated with the Boy Scout. I don't know. Anyway, mm-hmm. there's, there's yeah. something to dig into. But uh, and it's like the Twin Peaks main theme that's just playing so loud. <laughs> and, <laughs> and like and while Truman's giving him the fishing lure or the hook or whatever. I don't know. It's just like, do you get it? The beauty of this place. Twin <laughs> Peaks. Leave me alone, music. <laughs> Get out of here. Let me live my life and let me enjoy my friend Nadine. Uh, who's... Oh, right. right. Okay, so this plot line's amazing. I've been the defender of this plot Let's line go. as much as I can be. Um, I'm, I've, I've, been, I've turned into the, offend, the defender of this thank plot you. line. You yeah, need the it. Nadine it's so plot fun. slaps. It's dope. Thank you, yeah. John. I'm glad we're all here finally. So <laughs> uh, B- Big Ed decides that a smart and normal thing to do with your, I believe they said 36-year-old wife, um, is to enroll her in high school because she thinks she's a high schooler, even though it's 1990 and that's not when she went to high school. Um, and is it the- Doc Hayward who's there with him? Or no, it's Jacoby. Yeah, who's it's like Jacoby yeah, has it to say, "Hey, I know what I'm talking about." Yeah, <laughs> I'm Doctor Jacoby. Oh my goodness, it's me. That's his only role in this episode too. Is the funeral? He doesn't scene in say this. anything in that scene either. Yeah, he just literally is there. So you go like, "I'm a medical professional." Okay, this. But like, I was telling Ryan this. The high school principal goes, why did you think it was a normal idea to enroll your, like, 30-something-year-old wife in high school? And he goes, uh... And then we cut no, away he, for it for he, 10 No, he literally says, oh, you got me there. And then it cuts away. <laughs> and they come back and she's just in high school. Like, all right, no, we're not going to answer that. Shut up. Like, you didn't even try to tell me why. Like, oh, it's part of her therapy. Or, like, oh, like, we're not going to make a big deal. We're not going to actually enroll her. It's just going to be, like, for her happiness. It's like, no, no, just we're gonna do it we're doing it it's happening um and so she's really excited she wants to join the cheerleading team uh and there's this incredible incredible scene that feels like it's out of a 90s like drug psa or something where uh she's doing like practice lifts with the cheerleaders and they ask her to do a throw and the guy she's like all right i'm gonna throw you and the guy's like yeah right and she's very powerful and she throws him across the entire stadium into some boys it's incredible (laughs) She's the bionic woman. I have a a clip of the corkscrew moment. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yep. I'm going to throw you. Yeah, sure you are. Corkscrew! The sound design on that whole, like, the 80-yard lines, that... The moment where you see Nadine whip around and smile and it's like the twinkling <laughs> chime sound effect. There's just something beautifully cartoonish we, about the way that whole scene the, sounds. Yeah, can we talk about the ADR? Because this drove me crazy. I watched it like 15 times. Before he throws him, there's a shot of him behind her about to throw her. But yeah. it's like... But he and he, she's coming up to him, but they're ADRing it because she's like, "I'm gonna throw you." He's like, "No, whatever." But then they, the the shot like progresses, and then as she's talking, it reverses 
as to like simulate move like she's speaking while she's about to throw him this drove me crazy yeah <laughs> i watched it like <laughs> 10 times be like what is happening here why did they do this yeah there's a lot of like kind of sloppy continuity moments in this episode that or like shots that last too long or i don't know the editing was not good on this one, uh that being said so I'm watching this on the Blu-rays. Alan is too. Hell yeah. <clears throat> With the Blu-rays, there are certain effect shots that are <laughs> low quality, either because they they would have to like redo special effect shots um, or they couldn't find like the source um, mm-hmm. film yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. A big example of this was the like um, when they were l- recapping the Laura Palmer case, the like long panning shot across the donut um, counter. Yeah, yeah. That was all in VHS quality, which was a bummer. Mm. Um, but so you have a lot of moments like that. And I popped the fuck off when it went to this scene. And a large majority of it was in HD. Yeah. <laughs> I went off. <laughs> the only thing that was not in HD was the shot I was just talking about where it was like a weird reverse thing where they reversed the shot, and <laughs> which made it stand out even more. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good because like there are also on the blu-ray you can play it with the loglet intros which i always watch and uh recaps of the previous episode which are nice and i watch the recaps because those are all even though it's the same episode you have on blu-ray quality they still give you it in vhs quality and like the coloring is different and all of the like the frame rates off it's so interesting it like looks like a different show sometimes like the 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 sheriff's office is green on vhs for some reason it doesn't have the like muted brown tone at all um i love watching the bounce the back and forth but yeah also like when the giant comes the whole giant scene the first one mostly vhs and it's like damn this they could have oh i was bummed to see that the the one giant thing i remember being in vhs was when he like throws the orb at cooper yes the orb dissolves in the cooper which like which also honestly looked dope in vhs yeah it's still it's pretty cool it's pretty cool yeah yeah um but Nadine is cheerleading. Um, does anything else even happen with Nadine in this episode, or is that it? There's also this the thing. Be- wait, sorry. Before we move off the cheerleading thing, it sure, really. Sure. I understand that we already know this character, and that's why they're doing it. But the fact that the principal is part of cheerleading tryouts uh, is a red flag. <laughs> a little to sus, me. slightly God. sus. It's sus. Yeah, sus. Um, the other thing that Nadine does in this episode is at the funeral, she's really preoccupied with her shiny shoes and if people can see her underpants in them. Um, I didn't really know what to make of that, but that was the other thing. I think the best answer I can give you, because I did come up with a bunch of answers for like stuff I knew we were going to say is dumb, like the, the empty went stuff. But for this, I think like she is just really living out the life of a teenager, something a teenager would be worried yeah. about. Yeah. And then that would mean that she's still coming to terms with her like sexual existence. Like the fact that she is a, a woman now yeah. and she's like reconciling that in the brain with the brain of a 16 year old. So I think that's really what that is. But that also sense. just that the fact that Ed has like, a, you can watch Ed throughout these episodes, get more and more committed to the bit until the point now where he's like, <laughs> yes, Nadine, you're going to join. I'll be right there. You're going to be on the cheerleading team. And like three episodes ago, he was like, what? <laughs> Necking. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are also some teen plots uh, that have to do with Bobby and Shelly. Um, 
Bobby continues to suck more and more and more. He has basically yeah. completely replaced Leo as Shelly's abusive boyfriend, but in a, like, I guess less not physically violent way. Um, mm-hmm. he, he just, I don't know. This is like the, it's a, it's a really unhealthy, toxic relationship where he's like, you know, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get a job and it's going to be great. And you don't have to do anything. And she's like, I just want to go outside. I don't want to like take care of Leo anymore. And you're telling me you're going to get a job or whatever. He's like, yeah, but babe, we'll be rich. Come on and make out with me. And uh, anyways, I'm going to go back to school and get a job with fucking Ben Horn now. I hate, I hate Bobby. I used to, I I always loved Bobby and now I want to beat him up. Hmm. Yeah. And it sucks that she's like, I want to go out on a date. Will you take me out? And he says no. And then he goes and he takes Audrey Horn to get ice cream or whatever. He's a crap. Come on. Come on, man. I, I like the Bobby and Audrey stuff. I think that scene is really good. It was one of the I better think ones the giving Audrey something to do that isn't fucking being tortured yep. or fawning over Cooper is yes. great. Yes. yes. Please Agreed. give us more of that. And it it results in my favorite Audrey Horn line. Uh, I don't know if ever, but of late. And it it's not I like to lick, which is stupid. <laughs> not, awful, a fan, not a fan line. of I yeah, like to no, lick. No. Yeah. But I am a fan of... School numbs my buns. What about you? School numbs my buns. Because <laughs> that's what how I feel. What is the attendance school. policy of the school? <laughs> Nobody ever goes to school in Twin Peaks. Nobody ever goes. Donna's out late. James is gone. He's just quit school. Bobby <laughs> Bobby has a job now. And, I mean, whatever. Like, <laughs> and Audrey goes and does crime stuff when she feels like it. Um. Yeah, I, I was going to remark that I also like the Audrey and Bobby stuff because, like, we talk a lot on chats about the the whole, like, you can mix and match character pairings and make a lot of interesting interactions. And we've mm-hmm. literally never seen Bobby and Audrey speak to each other this much. It's, like, yeah. kind of cool to be like, oh, they do have their own, like, it, it passes our test, right? It has a, a unique and interesting interaction that no one else would have. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bobby is, like, clearly at least engaging with her and she's trying to be nice to him i think she excuse me i think she wants something from him i think she's playing him for a fool or something like to get at her dad maybe that was my impression of her like kind of being nice to him here i think she's just a pot stirrer she's just like okay yeah what what'll happen if you get in there right why not maybe maybe um, but he tries to get a job with Ben Horn. This is the best way to get a job. Screw Indeed.com and screw job boards or whatever. You just <laughs> send them an incriminating tape and be like, listen to it. And they're like, I don't want to listen to it. Don't give it to me. And you're like, no, wait, <laughs> this plan didn't work the way I wanted to. You have to listen to the tape and then give me a job and I'll have money. I mostly my only note on this stuff was that Bobby's suit makes him look really good here. He was like talking about what tie should I wear? And I was like, dog, you already look great. I don't know what to tell you, man. Yeah, well, it's Leo suit. Oh, sorry, it is Leo's suit. Yes, and that's why he looks great because Leo. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Leo's the best looking guy on Twin Peaks. Whatever happened to James? There is a scene. There is a scene in in the the Leland like funeral thing where Donna's like, "Hey, Big Ed, James is gone," and Big Ed's like, "Ah, he'll come, he'll come back. <laughs> he'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fine. He does this like every month. It's fine." <laughs> 
That's awesome. I think we're gonna get Jade's next episode. But uh, Ed's like, God I, got my own, I got my own shit to worry about right now. Yeah, Yo, the James plot is the one I remember the least, and I'm so excited. Same, 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 same. I oddly re- remember the James plot pretty well. I remember the end of it, but like nothing. Yeah, else. I remember the end of it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how they did a whole half season of it. That's <laughs> baffling. Um, geez, Louise. So, uh, last short plot, uh, empty Wentz. We kind of like realize that the show doesn't have the time or energy to handle Vivian and, and Norma's relationship. And so once again, Majon, like you said last time, Vivian is just like, here is the thing you need to know. Norma, go. And it's like, she's just giving the actress by Norma. Like, here's plot development for you. I'm just going to tell you what you need to, to have. Last um, episode, we were going to talk about mt Wentz in the spoiler zone and be like oh you know it's norma's mom and isn't it kind of weird that she's at dinner with everybody being like mm, the fish is a little dry or whatever and that's like them hinting it to you i did not realize that they revealed it so soon this quickly and it honestly this scene read like the spark notes of the plot because yeah. <laughs> we don't even see the moment where norma gets the review it's like in the same scene that we learned there was a bad review, she's like, oh, this review is so bad. And then the mom was like, by the way, I wrote it. And the audience is left to say, okay, okay, yeah. And then the characters explain their feelings and we're like, yeah, no, I know that that's how that makes sense. I could have predicted this. And the show's like, okay, and we did it. That was a plot. We did a plot. Do you like it? Did you have fun? Did you like it? <laughs> like, what am I supposed to take from that? Norma doesn't like her mom. She doesn't like her mom from the moment her mom shows up. And her mom is a restaurant critic that gives her a bad review, which is a metaphor for the fact that her mom is critical of her. Yeah, you got it. I did. Cool. <laughs> I did. I, I mean, I did like Norma standing up for herself for once in this fucking show. Me too. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. I, I love engaging with the twin, or just peeking at the twin. But God stuff. forbid she do it to a man on this show. No, 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 no. That's illegal. You can't do that. Um, no, I was going to say, I, I, I occasionally peek into the Twin Peaks subreddit because as with most like TV show subreddits, people on there have like really bad rainworms where they still, because they watched the return once, they're like, is this thing in season one a hint of what was coming in season three? <laughs> is, you know, and I don't want to specify any more than that, but like, uh, there was a thread on there where someone was like, wait, how does MT Wentz fit into the overall storyline? And someone was like, dog, it doesn't. It just doesn't. The main comment was like, it's it's oh, self-contained. No. Not every plot has to be part of the bigger thing. It's just a normal plot line because Norm is a character on the show. That's yeah. it. Right, right, right. <laughs> they were like, no, but it has to mean something, right? It's like, dog, just, just watch Lost or something. I don't know. Like, right. Well, that kind of speaks to what I was saying at the beginning of this, where in the version of Twin Peaks, where it's like this sort of weird um, semi soap opera that goes for a decade or whatever, the empty Wentz thing, nobody's going to be out there like, how does it tie into the mythos? But Twin Peaks is kind of it, it was this like mini series that continued and it was like starting to become this longer thing, but didn't. And so people are like, okay, now I have to make all of it fit the mold of the show that it was and and went beyond. Um, And that's where you get stuff like that, where it's like, M.T. Wentz, wait a minute. (laughs) Wentz. 
Zemti. Oh, okay. There's I'm now picturing. I'm now picturing Stephen A. Smith yelling about M.T. Wentz. M.T. Wentz. Now, Skip, hmm. you know I love the M.T. Wentz plot in season two. <laughs> um, the one piece of trivia I had about the M.T. Wentz stuff was on the Blu-rays. I have the subtitles on because it helps me, yeah. uh, you know, enjoy the show, appreciate the dialogue and whatnot. Um, when she says she goes like M.T. Wentz. Je, you know, Jim Appel, Empty Wentz, or something like she speaks a little bit of French. For the whole thing, they wrote speaking French, and I was like, <laughs> the <laughs> whole line, the whole bit, and I was like, <laughs> is Empty Wentz supposed to be a French name pun? And I'm missing that because like M, like you know, Ejeun M Solitaire. I'm like, and then I realized that I was the subreddit guy, and I was like, I gotta <laughs> get out. I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> Oopsie. Speaking French. Um. Yeah. That. That's that's literally it. And then Ernie, uh, and this this ties back into the Ernie and Hank stuff. Uh, they're having they're coming up with some sneaky some sneaky plans. Can somebody summarize this for me? Because I really tuned out during the whole John Renault. Yeah. Hank so thing. there's a couple things going on oh here. Um, so Hank knew Ernie in prison. We know that already. Ernie is now married to Norma's mom, who is also empty Wentz, but that's <gasps> self-contained. Oh. Uh, and Hank and Ernie was, you know, this like expert money laundering guy. So Hank is trying to get him to steal money. Vivian's money. Vivian's money. And he's like, no, I can't steal Vivian's money. And then Hank's like, okay, but meet my, my French friend, Jacques Renault. Hey, Jacques Renault, this guy's good at stealing money. And then Jacques, or Jean Renault, sorry. Jean Renault. And then Jean Renault's like, oh, yeah, you're good at stealing money. And Candy and Ernie's Sandy, like, baby. Ernie's like, shut up. Candy, candy. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're a mess. I know. I know. <laughs> it is, though. <laughs> uh, hot damn, that bite. <laughs> anyway. The bite, the bullet, baby. <laughs> <laughs> let me I'm add sorry. let me add a line to this repertoire. I want him crucified. I want him crucified. Um anyway. <laughs> what, what was I saying? Oh, then Jean meets Ernie and Ernie's like, Yeah, I'll embezzle lots of money for you, Mr. Guy. So I guess they're gonna do stuff with that. Yeah. And then and then and then right. John like brings like a briefcase of cocaine and the cocaine looks like they bought like two pounds of flour from Giant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like why is there so much? It's a lot of yeah. cocaine. They're going to plant it in Cooper's car. Right. Yeah. And that goes back to the Cooper plot or which we haven't talked about yet. Right. Bingo, that's the best uh, that's the best segue I've ever done and remarking upon it makes it worse. So Cooper <laughs> The the original center of the show. Now we're talking about him 45 minutes into our discussion. Can you believe it? Is the show even about him anymore? Um, he's in trouble. He is literally, he's he's on a series finale. He's like, well, the Laura Palmer murder mystery was really crazy and scary, but I'm glad I got to know all these beautiful people. Now I just need to go. I'm one minute from retirement. Let me go fishing with my best friend, Major Briggs. Oh, and then and he literally like says goodbye to every single person in the yeah. sheriff's office on his way out. Like I said, and he's he, like, and he's like Lucy, 
I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Invite me to whatever wedding you have with whichever one of your <laughs> guys the, you like the most. The like, what the out. hell, Cooper? Come on. Um, uh, Hawk, you're a token Native American character. May the wind be on your back. Thanks, Hawk. That's a normal thing to say. <laughs> yeah, that sucked. Truman, no, I've always said... secretly loved you and want to marry you. Oh. Okay, I I do like the line that Cooper says, though, when it's like, if I'm ever lost, I hope they send you to find me. Yeah. It's Which good. Comes back. This comes back. Oh, oh okay. Good to know. Or, yeah. Um, right. Hawk, underrated character, underappreciated character. Honestly, love mm-hmm. a good hawk. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, did you're caught up now? Did you appreciate the "I have some of my best friends are white" comment? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Top tier. I guarantee the, you that, that wasn't that entire script. scene. I had to pause it and just yell at my TV because <laughs> I forgot <laughs> that Lucy had a sister. Right. She has a whole sister. And she's super racist. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think comes back either. <laughs> no, they like used her for like three scenes and they're like, oh no, this isn't working. Bye. <laughs> We're, we got character bloat here. Um. So yeah, the FBI come with a like cartoon Canadian Mountie FBI person. And they're like, Cooper, you're suspended immediately without pay. And he's like, okay, I knew this was happening. You can tell he's not from Twin Peaks because he's black. Right. Mm. Right. We've made that. Mm-hmm. I've commented. The only, like, last time we saw a black person on the show was, like, in Hank's trial or whatever. And it's like, that guy's not ever. It's not a character. Yeah. It's mm. like the, the there's, like, a teacher that yells at Bobby in the pilot. Oh. oh yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. found all of them. <laughs> <laughs> all three black people into a piece. Great. Uh, man. Um, so, Co- the, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. The fact that he's here to, like, threaten Cooper's uh, authority, I don't know. There's something about that archetype that rose me the wrong way, but, yeah. Yeah, I feel that. It's 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 handled a little weirdly, and, and it kind of comes out of nowhere, where, it, like I said, it feels like they're just closing up on Cooper's arc, and and even Audrey's like, are you going home? And he's like, well, I'm going fishing, and then we'll see where I go from there. Maybe I'll buy property. Maybe I'll uh, go back to wherever I'm from. Um, and there he talks two- to... Yeah. Oh, uh, I was just going to say, there are kind of two weird implications that I took from a couple scenes involving Cooper. Just one of them with the, the odd his conversation with Audrey, Audrey's like, Hey, you're leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, what, what about us? And Cooper oh, reasserts, you know, I don't get involved with and he's starting to say like, I don't get involved with people in cases. And she's like, I know, I know I'm a teenager. And he's like, well, yeah, but also the, this other thing, you're also involved in the case seems to imply that Cooper is basically saying like, Oh, if you were just a teenager, that would be fine. <laughs> like that's kind of what I took from that a little yeah. bit. Um, and then the other weird implication when Cooper's talking to this uh, internal affairs guy, who who's you know Cooper thinks he's just going to get a slap on the wrist for crossing the border to save Audrey from One Eyed Jacks, and he's like, okay, so what what is it? This is a misfeasance thing. Uh, like I did the right thing, but didn't follow the proper rules. Uh, sure. I was expecting that, um, which seems to imply that Cooper, I don't know that he's done this before or that he's used to kind of bending the rules and doing things his way like this. And uh, neither of those really set super mm-hmm. well with me, I think. Well, I, so I think that if I you know, again, I had mentioned before finishing the episode that like, 
this is the show earnestly trying to to like reconcile how weird that episode in season one was. It wasn't even in that was in season two actually. That was season two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they go twice. One is related to the Palmer case, and one is just getting Audrey. Getting Audrey, and it's Uh the one that got Audrey out that got him in trouble. Um, Yeah, because like three people die in that outing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we're we're fucking uh, Truman ball gags a guy, and like they shoot dudes, and it's yeah they're playing a video game. Um, well, the FBI doesn't even know that three people died because they were like, two people died here. And Cooper's like, nah, there's the one that Hawk killed, too. No, yeah. <laughs> the guy that got a throwing knife is dead. Um, yeah, and it felt like they were genuinely trying to do that. And he's like, well, but sometimes you have to do things as part of your duty. And they're like, no, that's not how being an FBI agent works. You follow your job and everything else comes to the side. Um, it just felt like Cooper, Cooper was so resigned to this. He's just like, all right, yeah, this is going to happen. I'm going to get fired. I understand. And it's like, what? Cooper is suddenly like so beholden to the FBI. I guess he's always been like upholding the morals of the FBI. That's what he tells tells Audrey at least. Uh-huh. But it well, kind of feels performative. And, and he holds that until there's a drug charge too. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, you're, like I knew I was going to get in trouble for maybe doing this thing that I you know, overstep my bounds on, but wait, cocaine? What is this about cocaine? Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't I do don't that, do cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> and the DEA is going to be brought in. He has 24 hours to assemble a defense. Um, and then I guess that's pretty much where that plot is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cooper's and we learn that the guy disarmed. who is the Mountie is Jean Renault's guy. John Renault just kind of controls every Renault. Canadian. There's no... There's no good Canadian on Twin Peaks. <laughs> and uh, Truman sticks up for his man. I mean, the Truman Cooper shippers were feasting this episode. Me, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> with, with Truman being like, I'll stand. Cooper's a good guy. He's my favorite cop in the whole wide world. I made him one of my boys, <laughs> one of my bookhouse boys. You see Truman even gave him the little bookhouse boy symbol when he came into the room? Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, I gave him the little, like, okay. And also a skunk thing for fishing. Yeah. He's my boyfriend, and I won't give you any evidence against him. You'll have to the, get a warrant for that. The scene where he gives him the green skunk bait is so fucking gay, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Big it's time. drooping in queer subtext. It's just like, oh, yeah. this matters so much to me. They're going to be, they're all they're going to want to think about is sex, and you're going to give this to them, and they're going to chill out, and you're going to get all the fish you want because <laughs> yeah. you deserve it, Cooper. It's like, <laughs> I got this just for you. It's very special, and I got it for you, Cooper. You're my one real friend, and you mean a lot to me. And it's like, just fucking kiss. Like, come on. Yeah. Oh, God. Get this. Get so, this liberal agenda out of my shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, the I only moment in this episode that rivals that in sexual tension is when Andy is trying to big time Dick Tremaine oh. by being a better guy than him. And he like climbs the ladder and <laughs> is talking about his as he puts it later. Oh, what does he say to Hawk? He says this. Hawk, I know Lucy and I know what to get her. Moral and manly behavior. So he's doing his morals and manly behavior, and Lucy is just there, like, uh, going in for the kiss the whole time. She's gonna fall off Pretty the ladder good. to kiss Andy, which I would do. Very funny stuff. Um, before we talk about the Lucy Andy Dick stuff, um, the Cooper plot does conclude the episode. Actually, do we want to do Andy Lucy Dick first, and then just talk about the last scene? I think that's probably the best way to pace yeah, this, let's honestly. Do that. Let's do yeah. That. So we so let's pivot for just a moment. We'll put Cooper on pause. 
Uh, and so Andy and Lucy continue to have their whole thing about like who's the baby daddy and Lucy is like fixing some light bulbs in the sheriff's department and then Dick Tremaine pops in the room remembering that he's on this show I guess mm-hmm. uh, uh, and he says um, he wants something more important than himself to care for and he looks forward to finally being a father and the sheer cartoon comedy of him being like, and I, I really want to make sure somebody else is the most important thing in my life as Lucy's in front of him falling off the ladder and he's looking <laughs> away thinking about himself and how happy he is that he's finally developed empathy. Right. He's basically like, I want a kid so I can be more interesting. <laughs> That's what he says. I've seen it. I've seen people do it before or I've seen people like think like that before. It's pretty, it's pretty bad. Um, and then doesn't he drop that he's like mentoring a kid or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like some some wonderful homeless boy or something like that. Yeah, um, it's a lot. And then Andy comes in and is like, "I'm the third part of this group, and I think that we shouldn't fight each other. Instead, we should be friends." Uh, sound good? And then they both like, yeah, have some good ladder comedy where they're going up and down the la- like. Dick is trying to follow Lucy up and down the ladder just so she looks at him, but she won't look at him. And then Andy's just like, "I'm here too, guys." <laughs> she tries to kiss him, and it's very sweet. I love, I love these friends. I, I honestly preferred Andy trying to to reach out like this instead of like we're just gonna fight for the rest of the show. Yeah, you know, because mm-hmm. that would just get annoying really fast. Well, and, and then Hawk is like, what the What's fuck? What's wrong, wrong with you, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> you weird. Well, and it's kind of funny because he's like m- seemingly making this like movement towards a truce, but he's actually just initiating this arms race of, of decency that I think is going to be where we go from here. Yeah. It's a different type of masculinity. This like nice guy masculinity. Uh-huh. Um. But then, yeah, we just have the final scene of the episode, which I really liked. And I think hints at a Twin Peaks that we're going to get that I really love, uh, which is weird magic lore Twin Peaks, uh, magic special world uh, under behind the scenes of the woods. So Cooper and Briggs are uh, getting ready for their fun. Briggs, by the way, has no knowledge that his son is (laughs) secretly caretaking an adult man. Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely no clue. (laughs) He's like, son, what are you doing? He's like, well, that's classified, father. (laughs) He just throws it back at him. He's like, all right, son, that's fair. I'm going to go hang out with this this FBI agent in the woods, and we're going to go fishing. Uh, they get ready to go fishing. Cooper goes to take a pee, and then boop, uh, Briggs get whisked away into X Files to go be Scully Stat on the X Files, <laughs> uh, but not before he tells him uh, that there is a place called the White Lodge uh, that they need to think about. And he says something about the White Lodge, and you're like, "Huh?" Hinting at things now. Finally, the way that Cooper says he has to pee is like the most that that nerdy math kid in high school (laughs) (laughs) he's just like just give me a minute i'm excited to hear this white lodge let me just go take my journey into the woods i'm gonna go take Mm -hmm. a piss take a piss i'm gonna go take a journey i'm like just go to the bathroom cooper yeah you don't have to say all this yeah you would have been there and back in the time it took you to say everything um, I like that he manages to zip himself so fast. Like the light thing happens while he's still be urinating, and then he comes back in like a millisecond. And I'm like, "Did you? <laughs> How did you do that?" Um, Briggs is gone, y'all. We're not gonna hear about the White Lodge right now. It's a bummer. 
I like bye Briggs. Bye. I just started to love him. Bye bye Briggs. Um, but I but I remember this plot being sick as hell. It's legitimately one of my favorite parts of season two. Uh, maybe I will regret my words and deeds. Who's to say? Um, <clears throat> great. That's what I have. Are there any scenes or moments in this episode that anybody else wanted to talk about? Yes. Uh, oh yeah. Go two ahead. two things. One, so I don't think we made it clear. Cooper, they're trying to plant cocaine on Cooper. Yes. And then just, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. he's trying to, they're trying to get him away from the FBI Mm -hmm. and then presumably off him. That's what's happening there. That's why they had a comically amount of cocaine in in that scene. Two, when Audrey is talking to Cooper, she's like, when I get older, you'll oh, see. Yeah. Cooper's like, yeah, I guess I'll see. I'm like, no, no. what's happening? <laughs> bad. It's so yeah, bad. Not a fan. Um, The only scene that we didn't really talk about that I don't want to talk about, but just wanted to mention that it happened was like Catherine talked to Truman, I guess. Oh, Sure. Also, Josie's like, back. Uh, yeah, and Josie oh, yeah, came back. That was like a huge monologue. Yeah, it was just like long conversation where Catherine is basically just lying to Sheriff Truman about yeah. where she's been. And it's, we know she's lying, so I don't really see the value in the scene at all. But that scene just, that scene just read like, hey, Piper Laurie is a respected actor. We have to give her a scene. Yeah. Right. That right. isn't that isn't this racist caricature. Right. The the thing the only thing I really liked about it was the way that she said What made you come back? I ran out of tuna fish. That's, <laughs> That's all. It ends That's the scene too. Yeah. She ran out of tuna fish. We're going to have to talk about it in the spoiler zone for three hours. Anyways, um, <laughs> if that's what we got for Dispute Between Brothers, I think yeah. that uh, we can take it to some plugs. Wait, what are we watching next time? Well, this is the first of two episodes in the week. So Yes, sorry. On Wednesday. Wednesday? This one's Wednesday or this one's Sunday? This one's Sunday. On Wednesday, y'all will hear us talking about Masked Ball with another guest. So I'm hoping that you are Yay. excited for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you thought the show couldn't get stupider, uh, anyways, Ryan, uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at Blues Rose four three zero on Twitter. Excellent. Ryan is also on a wonderful podcast uh, called Bald Gun Guy, which is a Hitman playthrough podcast that you host with our friend Six <laughs> and our friend Ty. Uh, we just got done with Hitman One, so there you go. Um, perfect place to jump on if you're new to Hitman or. I don't prefer Hitman 2, and I guess, I guess. Um, but yeah, we play a level of Hitman every month um, and talk about it, and that's super fun. Nice. Um, and I've been, I've been enjoying it. So beautiful. Um, cool. And I'll also give you the opportunity if you would like Ryan to give a chat some for this week, something you want to recommend for the folks that's not related to what you work on. Uh sure. I uh, hmm, that's not related to the show. I mean, it could be related to the ephemera of Twin Peaks, if you think that's sure. germane. Sure. I will. Okay. So, we're getting into the turn your brain off and enjoy a really stupid show phase of Twin Peaks. Uh-huh. Um, so, in light of that, I wanted to plug... Uh, let me actually bring up the title and author's name, just to get it right. 
I have been reading uh, Laura's Ghost, uh, Women Speak About Twin Peaks by Courtney Stallings. Um, it is a book all about interviewing um, women who worked on the show, women's uh, fans uh, of Twin Peaks who are women, just like k- kind of uh, getting just a, a survey of people who worked on and are fans of Twin Peaks and their perspective on the show, um, especially as as we we delve into or, or we're we're going to go into sort of the the firewalk with me, mm-hmm. um, and the more explicit sexual abuse angle of the show. Yeah. Um, I think I'm reading that book. I'm like a fourth through it, um, and it's been great so far. Um, and just the perspective of just women whose lives were touched by Twin Peaks and in many different ways uh, has been really good. Um, and I have a feeling that you would want to read it before um, the podcast covers. Firewalk with me. So, yeah, yeah. I agree. Laura's goes uh, to Oh, yeah, go ahead. I want to say also that it uh, most the uh, most of all of the interviews were conducted post season 3. I haven't really run into any spoiler stuff really mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just throwing that out there if you're if you're totally averse to season 3 stuff, yes. but I haven't really seen any like big spoiler mentions. Um, yeah, I picked up my copy recently as well, and Magellan did too. Um, that's Laura's mm-hmm. Ghost Women Speak About Twin Peaks by Courtney Stallings. And as Ryan said, you should probably read it. You should probably read it. I don't know. Before we talk about yeah. Firewalkamy, I recommend yeah. you read it. Read it. Um, yeah, you'll be cool if you read it. Uh, cool. Magellan, let's take it to the plug, our plug zone. If, can I do it this time? Sweet. If you would like to email us questions, comments, concerns, please hit up chatspod at gmail.com. Uh, that is the location to send us emails. We have a Twitter at chatspod. C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D is always how you spell our podcast's name. We have a community-run subreddit at r slash chatspod where they are re-watching old uh uh chats episode shows and then discussing the podcast on the threads and we're partway through season two and we just watched like the best episode of season two, which is called Zuko Alone. And it's fun to go back and listen to old chat stuff with them. If you like chats and you want to support us, you have a couple ways to do that. We have you can rate us on your podcast platform of choice, subscribe to us on on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc., etc. We're on all of them, and uh, dang it, we're trying to get the word out there. So leave us a review if you like us. And if you'd like to support us financially, we have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash chatspod, where you can back us uh, financially and get a lot of bonus content like the Chats Files, where Magellan watches the X-Files sometimes, Uh, Chats Nights, where we hang out, Pilot Chats, where we watch pilots, and even Commentary Chats, where we watch movies. And we do little polls every month where we have people vote on what uh, we're going to watch for the month. So uh, if you go over to Patreon and throw us a couple bucks a month, uh, you can, for example... If you send us, if you uh, donate at five dollars a month or more, you get thanked at the end of chats, uh, the main feed, like these people, for example. Thank you to Cat, Marcus, Nick, and Pat at the of the Brothers at Infinite War, Fendon, Ryan. I think that's the the six and Stefan. <laughs> we've we have a lot of Ryan. We have a lot of Ryan's in the community. Um, anyways. That's what that's what that is. So you should check out the Patreon. Ryan, thank you again for joining us. It was a really great time. Uh, love having you yeah. on podcast, and definitely want to yeah. have you on again for Peaks Chats and talk more about the Hell show yeah. with you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you to Magellan for being the Wyndham Earl to my Dajun Dale Cooper. Oof, and oof, oof. okay. <laughs> I just keep picking random <laughs> pairings out of a hat. Uh, uh-huh. And thank you for listening to Peaks Chats. 
Damn Fine Podcast. Hey everybody, this is the Spoiler Zone. If you finished listening to the 30 seconds of fun music, uh, then you have already watched all of Twin Peaks Seasons 1 and 2, as well as Firewalk With Me, or you just don't care about spoilies. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan, you had a couple of things you wanted to bring up, specifically uh, wanted to reference the moment where Truman gives uh, Cooper the Bookhouse Boys patch. That whole scene is so sad because he's walking out of the sheriff's office. He's about to leave. He's a normal ass FBI agent. He's like, goodbye, everyone. My people need me back at the FBI. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the one the one window of time where Dale Cooper's life could be fucking normal. Mm-hmm. And it's just robbed <laughs> immediately. Yeah. yeah. I didn't really think about it like that, but it is basically like you almost got out of this show. And now you're, like, fully trapped in the vortex of Twin Peaks for the rest of your life. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, what is a world That's where it, C- yeah. Cooper just got to go fishing and then goes back home and, you yeah. know, meets someone yep. new? And... That's, yeah, that scene played incredibly sad, knowing what was coming. Because mm-hmm. he goes right from, like, this investigation into, like, the end of season two being possessed by Bob. And it's like, well, sorry. Um, yep. Yeah. Big Bob are knowing what's to come. Um, I wanted to, or we wanted to ask. Oh, actually, I had one quick question that I th- that's kind of hard to Google, Ryan, but I think you would know the answer to it. Uh, you know, sure. we talked about how in season in May the Giant be with you, the giant like puts an orb inside a Cooper. Yeah. D- uh, what is that? Mm. Oh <laughs> <laughs> shit! <laughs> I don't know. I need all the answers. <laughs> I don't. Know I don't even that think is. that's a. I don't even think that's like a. I, that can't be a return thing because that's not how this show works. You're just foiled by the last episode where everything had an answer in the most infuriating yeah, way. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that gummy like. Whoa, the gum! <laughs> oh my god! It's back in my style. My father killed me. <laughs> oh my god! Worse. <laughs> um, and then my big question was, uh, Wyndham Earl. So, like, this cartoon guy yeah, who, what you, who... What do you think of Wyndham Earl? What's the take, Rai? Yeah. I don't remember enough. Okay. I know that I know that he kills somebody and puts them in a chess piece at some point. Okay. I think we're having... It's on for that episode, by the way. Is that a spoiler? I'm not supposed I, to say that? Well... That's in season two. So, here's the one thing I wanted to... Re- I'll, I'll finish my thought. Um, I don't remember a lot. I know there's some bullshit that he does. I genuinely don't remember how he plays. I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. Mm-hmm. Um, he does not. Rem- he does not matter beyond season two. Right. <laughs> no. He extremely does not matter in the lore. Right. Um, he might get a name drop in season three, but I don't honestly don't remember. I mean, the stuff yeah. with him but, and like yeah. Bob or whatever is kind of cool. Briefly, for like the five minutes that him and Bob interact with each other, I guess. Yeah. But I think the main thing that the actor gets to do is just put on costumes. Because he, like, comes to Twin Peaks yeah. as one guy, and he's like, right. I'm not that oh guy. God, yeah. And he, like... Yes. Oh, the costumes. Yeah, I remember He that wears now. a bunch of costumes. That's what Windermere's deal is. 
Yeah, and then David Lynch just kills him immediately upon upon arrival. (laughs) Welsh wasn't asked to reprise his role in the 2017 series, but he, quote, would have loved to. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you would have. <laughs> sure you would have. <laughs> guy. That sucks. Uh, the thing I wanted to remind Magellan of. Yeah, what happened? The, the speed between mayor shit. <laughs> <laughs> he marries a really hot, attractive young woman that everybody fawns over, and she kills them while they're fucking. Yes, yes. Oh God. Talk about That's gold. It's literally, That's actually they go good. in a bedroom to have sex, and it cuts to a commercial break. And then when they come back, it's over. And he's dead. Like she, yeah. she purposely kills they him, or go, he just has a heart attack because of the hot, good sex. It's ambiguous. Uh, but okay. Everybody is standing outside of this woman's bedroom door while while they have sex, and then it cuts to commercial break, and then they come back, and they're still listening. Okay. (laughs) hate it. Okay, Uh, Twin Peaks. Okay, okay. that's very good. (laughs) Dougie's engaged to be married to a babe. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's the same episode that is gonna be on and when i realized that i fucking screamed yeah oh my god dude i think we haven't said this to our listeners but has not seen twin peaks right isn't that this thing and doesn't plan to watch twin peaks no oh that's right i forgot about the premise has we'll reiterate this like a couple weeks from now but yeah they have not watched it they've listened to all of twin peaks rewatch and never watched a single minute of it and don't plan to so get a load of that when it comes up yeah all I right. don't know. I feel like they should just watch this episode. I feel like they should watch oh, that right. episode just in isolation. Mm-hmm. But we'll 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 yeah. talk about it when we get there. Um, any yeah. other big spoiler stuff, Ryan? I know you're the you're the big Firewalk with me fan, also. <sighs> yeah, there's stuff I want to say, but I don't know if I want to say it here or we can just wait when when season three happens. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, I, I think that Cooper rip uh, absolving Leland of everything is like key to his character Mm -hmm. and i think they do stuff with that later Mm -hmm. oh good Um, okay they do Mm -hmm. so i know it's frustrating in the moment and it feels like the show is saying that because it is but i think david lynch and mark frost they recontextualize um, it later they they pick that up and and do stuff with it yeah okay that's good to know Mm mm-hmm also we're getting denise next episode oh god ah all right let's just that's let's punt it um we'll see everybody on wednesday thank you again ryan uh yeah bye everyone bye